Grace, mercy, and the peace of God our Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, our Comforter, be with us this day. I'm grateful for the technology that we have in place so I can record a message ahead of time for you this morning. The tour that a group of us have been on for nearly two weeks wrapped up yesterday, and a number of the people from the tour have returned to the United States. I'm not sure how many will be in the pews on July the 10th when this video should be played, but Paula and I are sticking around. Uh, We extended our trip a bit um, along with some others. Uh, We won't be touring together. The two of us are going to go and do our own thing um, and just enjoy some time while we're still there. But thanks to this technology, I can be here virtually today. And if you're experiencing the worship service virtually, maybe once again, it doesn't look all that different. But for those in the room, they know I'm not standing right here on July 10th in the morning. But this way, we can still worship together. And we can conclude the series that we've been in, the work of the Spirit, for the last several weeks. Two weeks ago, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit. Last week, freedom that's lived out in the Spirit through the Spirit's work in our lives. And today, a message that runs through really the whole of Scripture, the whole of the Bible talks about this message, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself or the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Scripture goes on to tell us that love is the fulfillment of the law. That love is the whole fulfillment of the law. We often focus on fulfillment. I'm writing or recording this message the day before departure. So today I have a really long list of things I need to get done. And this is one of the items on the list, is to record the message for July 10th, because I know I'll still be out of the country then and unavailable. So I'm looking forward to checking this off. I still have to pack everything into the suitcase. I still have to take care of a few items around the house. Still have to clear out some things out of the refrigerator. Still have to take the garbage out to the outside garbage can. Still have to make sure the kids are taken care of, the dogs are taken care of. There's so many things on our list. Have to make sure that the passport is in hand because you don't want to get to the airport the day of the international trip and not have your passport. There's plenty to do. Not just the day before we travel, though. For most of us, there's plenty to do every day. Long lists of to-do items. I've heard from a number of people that after retirement, they become busier than they've ever been maybe because they have time and feel like there's now no limit. All those hours that used to be spent in the workplace mean we can add all these things to the list. And the list seems never-ending. Do you have that never-ending list? But we like to have fulfillment. We like to check the boxes. We like to mark out the lines. We like to feel like we've accomplished that which is out in front of us, that which we always have to do. The lawyer in the gospel lesson today, the story, the parable of the good Samaritan asks the question, what must I do? For a lawyer in Jesus' day, that was his whole life was was tied up in that question. What must I do? What's the law? What are the demands? What's the checklist 
that I have to fulfill in order to inherit eternal life? That's the question he approaches Jesus with. And the answer, which may be very familiar from the start of this narrative, is that we're called to love God with everything. That's in verse 27. Love the Lord your God. And this is not new to Jesus. He's quoting Deuteronomy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. The lawyer knows it. As one who teaches the law, he understands what the demands are, what the list is. What's the law say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Love God. Because he is God, for no other reason, we should love God because he's God, because he's our creator, because he's our redeemer, because he's the one who cares for us and gifts us with so much life, creation. The blessings that we have in our lives and our response to that is to love God Sometimes that's difficult. When life is complicated, when we feel burdened or broken or guilty, when life doesn't go the way we hoped, when our needs feel unmet, when our desires aren't working out, we can feel this resentment sometimes. Maybe we fall short of loving God from time to time, and that's not hard to find ourselves in. When life is hard, it can be hard to love. It can be hard to love God. But that's the call to us, is to love God with everything, everything that we are, everything that we have, to love God. And then the lawyer goes on, love your neighbor as yourself. We're called to love our neighbors as ourselves. And that message, that idea, that thought can be found in both the Old and New Testaments. It's not new to the gospel that's said in Leviticus, love your neighbor as yourself. Romans describes it as the sum of the law. I mean, if you look at the Ten Commandments, we divide those into two tables, two groups of commandments. The first few are about loving God. Have no other gods. Don't misuse the name of God. Remember the Sabbath day. And the second set is all about loving other people, honoring father and mother. Don't kill, don't cheat, don't lie, don't lust. All the things that are on the second set are all about other people. We live in these two dimensions. Vertically, our relationship with God, love God, and horizontally with other people, love God others around you. Love should overflow. Love should abound. Love should be generous. And we're going to talk in a moment about what love looks like. But a reality is that loving a neighbor can be challenging. Loving a neighbor can be hard because some people are difficult to love. People who are different from us can be hard to love. Cultural complications can make it hard for us to love other people because it's different how we communicate, how we think, how we operate, what's important to us, what are our priorities. 
the way that we respond, the way that we receive and the way that we show love can be complicated and so it can make it difficult for us to love. Jesus chose the Samaritan on purpose for this lesson. See, Samaritans lived between the southern part of Israel in Judea and the northern part in Galilee was this region called Samaria. And it was filled with people who were like distant cousins to the Jews, but a mixed race of people, mixed with those whom the Assyrians had dropped into this area. And so they were not Jewish, and Jewish people would focus on purity. So they were impure racially, and they didn't quite believe all the same things. There were some differences in what they believed and how they practiced, and that's the person that Jesus uses. A person to whom the Jews would feel like it's difficult to love a Samaritan. In fact, Jewish people, and I don't know how much of this we will have just experienced, but those who were in the land, we were in Galilee in the north and we were in Judea in the south and we made our way through, likely, Samaria. Jewish people used to go around the region of Samaria one way or the other to avoid even passing through. And when Jesus had conversations with Samaritans and in John 4 with a Samaritan woman at the well, that was like, what is he doing? What is he doing there? And what is he doing talking to them? They're the enemy. Sometimes people are difficult to love, not just people who are different from us, but people who think differently from us. A few weeks ago, the Supreme Court overturned the Roe v. Wade decision that stood for almost five decades. And in both camps, those who agree with that decision and those who are opposed to that decision, and I've seen from both sides some venomous reactions toward the other, sometimes understanding and being compassionate toward people who think differently from us can be hard, really hard for us. And it can be hard to love people who don't love us back, who don't seem interested, who are takers and are willing to receive from us, but don't respond in the same way. We have this in our nature, the desire for love to be reciprocated. So it's hard to be the person who continually gives and and puts in energy and puts in time and, and makes an effort in a relationship when it doesn't feel like we're getting back what we invest. Loving a neighbor can be challenging and helping people is often inconvenient. The Samaritan went out of his way. Maybe it's a familiar story. As Jesus tells the parable, there's first the priest and the Levite. They come along and, well, there's complications. So they pass by on the other side. Probably a shot at the passing around Samaria that Jewish people would often do especially as the Samaritan is the one who comes along. And so we remember this good Samaritan with the idea of compassion and mercy and generosity. The hospital where I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, is named Good Samaritan Hospital because of that, the healing and the generosity and the love that was shown. And so we have this 
good Samaritan is a really good guy. And it's true. So sometimes we want to be the good Samaritan or we see the good Samaritan played out in our day. One time I was on my bike. This is a Friday uh, several years ago now. And I rode up north from here. I was up in the um, Niles area of Fremont. And I came through an intersection. And sometimes intersections are a little dicey in terms of what debris actually is left in along the side of the road. Where cars drive, the debris kind of gets pushed off by the car tires. And a lot of times it's off to the edge. And where I ride that day, where I was riding, there was some stuff. And I didn't see it, but I heard as I went over a little clink. I don't know if it was a nail or a piece of metal or what it was, but not long later, I knew. I could feel it. The tire's getting soft. I got a flat. I'm far enough from home that pushing the bike, walking is not an option. And so I open up the bag that I carry, and I've got some tools, and I got a patch kit, and I got a tire pump. Okay, problem can be handled. Side of the road, take off the tire, take out the tube, find the place where the puncture happened, patch the tube, put it back, put it back in the tire, put it back on the rim, put it back on the bike, pump it up. Okay. I can ride again, and within about 200 yards, I know that my patch either is not in the right place, or there's more than one puncture, or it didn't hold. The tire is going flat again right away. Frustrated, I come back off to the side of the road, and I'm trying to pull the tire off, and it's just really hard to get this tire off the rim, especially my hands are a little bit, you know, fatigued from doing this already, doing this work. And I'm there on the side of the road, and I've got the wheel, and I'm trying to get the tire off, and another cyclist all of a sudden is there. Do you need some help? Oh, yeah. I got a flat. I thought I patched it, but I got to do it again. He takes the wheel out of my hand and pulls out his own tire tools and pulls off the tire. Within a few seconds, he has it. He's like, I don't know, magic. (laughs) And he takes out of his own bag an inner tube, and he puts it around the, you know, in the tire and on the wheel and inflates it. He did all the work. And I stood there and watched and he, you know, put it back on the bike and I, you know, asked for his, you know, told him I, you know, let me, let me send you some money for the tire. Let, you know, how can I cover this? He wasn't interested. And I was amazed because then off we rode and he was gone before I knew it. Now I always ask cyclists who are off to the side of the road, do you need help? Do you have what you need? Do you have the supplies that you need? Do you have the tools that you need? Are, are you able to handle this situation? I don't always get off the bike, but I at least ask every biker I see if there's a mechanical, or it seems like a mechanical problem, is there something I can do? Because I experienced, I was the beneficiary that time. And not just that time, there have been plenty of other times too. But the question becomes, who's your neighbor? And this is what the lawyer asked. Well, who is my neighbor? Because in our nature, we don't want to be responsible to love everybody. We want to at least contain what we have to do. And then Jesus tells the story. And effectively, it's anyone in need. 
And in Galatians 6, the other reading that we had this morning, verse 10 says this, do good to everyone, especially to those of the household of faith. And that includes people who might be hard to love, one in, caught in transgression to bring restoration one who has a burden to bear that along with them. And it goes on to talk about love one another. This is how discipleship is evident. This is how it's lived out. Because our love should be like Jesus. Love like Jesus. And as we look at the Good Samaritan, and we look in this lesson from Galatians 6, we can see some different categories or adverbs, I guess, of how the love of Jesus looks. Love sacrificially. That's the first one. And the good Samaritan went out of his way. Verse 33 tells us that others were too busy or too concerned about the side effects, how that would impact their lives. But he went to where the man was and he helped him. Go out of your way. Galatians 6 tells us, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Be sacrificial with it. Not when it's easy, not when it's convenient, but like Jesus. Love sacrificially, love generously. The Good Samaritan and my cyclist friend, whose name I didn't even learn, took his time, spent his own resources. Verse 35 tells us the next day he took out two denarii, Gave them to the innkeeper, take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. He didn't have an eye on his cost or his bottom line. In the same way, Jesus laid down his life for us. While we were still his enemies, Christ died for us. And he calls us his friends. He died for the sin of the world not because we deserved it or we earned it, but because of his generosity, because of his grace. And we are called to love in that way with generosity, abundantly, but also gently. Early in our reading from Galatians 6, at verse 1, it says this, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Jesus gives us the image elsewhere of the speck in someone else's eye. But before you point that out, mind the plank in your own. How often do we want to point out people's flaws with spotlights? Look what you've done. Look how you've failed. Look how bad you are. And with our own, we want to cover them up. We want to minimize the things that we do wrong, Jesus turns that around and says, restore someone else who's in a transgression. Do it gently. Don't announce it. Don't do it with accusation, but restore that person because that's how we bring someone back to faith. That's how we bring someone back into the life of the church. That's how we bring someone the grace and the mercy of Jesus by being gracious and merciful. Jesus could have been harsh with his disciples so often, but it was extremely rare. I mean, there's the one time with Peter, he says, look, get behind me, Satan. Because basically, Peter's trying to shut down the whole mission. 
There were many other times when Jesus could have said, look, you guys are just so thick-headed. A few times he got harsh with the Pharisees. There's the one time also in the temple where he forms the whip out of the cords and clears the temple courts. That was, that was abrasive, possibly. But we're called to be generous or gentle in our response to other people. Love is patient. Love is kind. This is how 1 Corinthians 13 describes love. It's the love of Jesus. Be gentle. Be kind. Be sacrificial, be generous, and love, finally, continually. Love continually. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the fruit of the Spirit. We said, keep bearing fruit. If you were here, you remember the plum cot tree in my yard and how it just bears abundant fruit, and it doesn't adjust that based on what we're using, on how that fruit is used. But keep bearing fruit no matter where it goes. Maybe that seed falls to the ground. Keep bearing fruit. And here in Galatians 6, let us not grow weary of doing good. We can grow weary so easily. We try, we make an effort. The things we try to do, the effort we try to make, maybe doesn't feel like it's getting anywhere. Sometimes it feels like a waste of time. Sometimes it feels like a waste of effort or resources. We've all been there. Keep on doing good. Never, ever give up. Don't grow weary. Did the man in the parable recover who'd been robbed and beaten and left for dead? We don't know. Did he thank the good Samaritan? Text doesn't say. Did he somehow try to repay him or pay it forward? That's not what's important here in this parable. What's important is that the Samaritan loved without concern for the cost and maybe was never paid back. The rest of verse 9 says, In due season we will reap if we do not give up. For some weeks now, we've been talking about the work of the Spirit in us. The Spirit brings us to faith. The Spirit is evident in our lives, and the Spirit bears fruit. The first of the fruits, to go back two weeks, is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Love God and love your neighbor. Let's love like Jesus so that the work of the Spirit flows through us. Amen.